Coming to Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1. I want to apologize in advance. This will be the first time I will not be able to be with y'all next door. I've got loved ones sick at home. My wife Kelly is not doing well and I know I can hear somebody now. You need to be more positive. I'm positive she's not doing well. She don't feel good. And I'm not going to leave her with three um, active children with her not being well. And I know Wade's in the building somewhere. He's replacing Joe Montana. Uh, I just want to remind you, Wade, we've never lost before. And if we lose this Sunday, it's all on you. My prediction, youth 33, staff 26. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't say it was my desire. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word this morning? I had someone ask me, uh, they said, John, would you do me a favor and just explain to people, especially some new believers or people that are visiting? Well, God does not require us to stand for, for his reading, but you'll find in the Old Testament that the response of humility or honor, if you will, like if the president walked in, people would stand. Now listen, you'll never stand for me. But there's something, it's just, a, it's, a, it's a healthy expression. God doesn't command it, but we say, we're going to read now the words of the Lord. And so for us, it's one of those things where it honors. And, it, and that's the only reason we do it. It's not a command of God. It's just something we feel that's good. It's right. Ruth 1 6, 7, and 19. This is the fourth in our installment on the series of Ruth. And it says, When Naomi had heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi's and her daughter-in-laws prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. In verse 19, So the two women went on, until they came to Bethlehem. You may be seated this morning. I was eager to get into chapter 2 in our series, but I felt I had one more I could pull out of chapter 1. And if you've been with us for the series, I'm not going to spend a lot of time going backward except to tell you these highlights. A man named Elimelech, which means, his name means God is my king left the land of Bethlehem, Judah, because there was a famine in the land. There was no bread. He moved his family to a place called Moab, which God had forbid the Israelites to go to. Uh, he disdained Moab. He described Moab as a wash pot, a place where he washed his feet. But Elimelech, running away from temporal troubles, sold out spiritual inheritance. He got what he was looking for. He wanted bread. He got bread. But he swapped out the lives of his children and his own life for bread. He swapped a famine for three headstones. The famine didn't kill him. His choices did. After being there for years, after losing her two sons, Naomi decides to go back to Bethlehem, Judah, because she had heard whispers of grace. She had heard that God was visiting again his people with bread. 
And Naomi and Orpah began to make the trip with them, with her, and she was a bitter woman. We talked about bitterness last Sunday, and if, if you struggle with bitterness or you know someone that does, get the CD for them and say, look, I'm not judging you or anything. I just know how difficult life's been. Just listen to this for me, and the, the Lord may use it to help them. So Naomi was uh, changing, and she had, uh, her name meant pleasant, but now she had said, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara, which means bitter. And she arrived back at the gate, and she did not realize that when she got back to Judah that God was about to do more than she could ever ask. She had no idea that direction, just that one directional change would take her to a place See, direction is critical because 75 North will take you to Atlanta. And if what God has for you in Atlanta, 75 North will get you there. She took the right journey and made the right destination. And all through Ruth, you hear the miracles which she did. But I want to speak to a specific group of people on a very simple subject this morning. I want to talk to you about the next chapter in God. Just because Naomi had left Judah, Bethlehem Judah, did not mean that God had left her. Everyone... Every one of us, everyone under the sound of my voice has a next place in God. Regardless of your failures, regardless of what you've lost, you have a next place in God. God does not bring us out of anything without bringing us into something. He brought the children of Israel out of Egypt so that he could bring them into Canaan. That statement alone, that there's always a next chapter. I love what Drew told us a couple weeks ago. He said, God has one direction forward. There's always a next chapter. No matter what I've suffered, no matter what successes I've had, that next chapter keeps us forward living. Many people believe this place is available, the next chapter in God. Some begin the journey to it, and even fewer have the resolve to continue on until they reach their Bethlehem. And Bethlehem here is a type of God's promises, God's provision. The name Bethlehem meant house of bread. And there are seasons when what God has promised, there doesn't seem to be an answer there. There was no bread in the house of bread. What a contradiction. But Naomi made her way back and it said she continued on until she got to the next chapter. The provision of the next chapter is God's responsibility. You getting there is yours. Going through, continuing on until the next chapter. Said that she continued on until they reached Bethlehem. A place where God's name was revered and God's power was historical. A, a place where people like Ruth find redemption and Naomi's find restoration. A place some have walked away from but all are allowed to enter into. Bethlehem, a place where tired, disillusioned, wounded and broken people find wholeness. Bethlehem is a prepared place, a promised place, a peaceful place, and a personal place. A place where God exceeds your wildest dreams and the joys of today eclipse the sorrows of yesterday. Naomi never even saw it all happening. And God was rewriting her story and she didn't even know it. What if the hand of God was positioned over your life this morning with a pen in his hand? ready to rewrite your story. It is. It is. I want to speak to you for just a few moments this morning on the subject of the next chapter in God for you. Let's pray. 
Lord, I just humble myself this morning and I ask you to give me the grace and the anointing and the clarity and the power to preach your word in such a way that we would leave not thinking about John or Christ Chapel or the Assemblies of God, but we would leave and get in our car and say, for a surety, today I heard from the Lord for my life. May our spirit man come alive. May our spiritual eyes be opened. Oh God, give us discernment and and give us uh, clarity of mind and heart that we might fulfill your plans for our life. Speak to us out of the volume of your book, O Lord, this morning. And may our lives forever be changed by receiving with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to deliver our soul. And I thank you for our next chapter. Personally, Lord, I don't know how you could do better than this last one. But I see the pen in your hand and my spirit says, right on, Jesus. Right on for me. Amen. Y'all got to be careful. I might preach this morning instead of teach. I don't know. Number one, if you're taking notes. Oh, that water's good. Thank you, Andy. Y'all don't know how blessed I am to have good water. I've preached in churches where preached, I'm preaching, you know, with dry mouth and you got to sit past the third row when you have a spitting preacher. You have to be careful. And I reached down only to get something that had a f- film over the top of it. And because you're visiting, you know, you don't want to offend them. You... Just thank you. All right, number one. To make it to the next chapter, you have to believe that it exists. I don't mean this, oh, well, sure. No, believe. A firm, relying conviction Trust and dependence upon the fact that God is writing my story. I am not governed by fate. I am not a product of what other people planned or intend. I need to know that the devil is not just loose in my life, writing my story. I need to know that the steps of a righteous man are, oh, suggested, ordered, before you were born. See, we... We don't, Christians, we don't uh, tell lies, we sing them. We don't believe. We, 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 we'll sing things like, you know all my steps. You've planned all this. We don't believe it. Do you know before my father winked at my mother, he knew I'd be standing on this stage in a new blue suit with a blue shirt making my blue eyes dance this morning. He knew I'd have it working. He knew this morning I would be standing here and who would be here? My life isn't at at some coincidence or circumstance. So I believe that if he planned enough in advance to die for me, the Bible says that if he spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, shall he not now freely give us all things? Which means if he planned for my past, most assuredly he's planned for my future. So we rest. We don't work. It's not a matter of worshiping on Sabbath. Saturday's the Sabbath. Jesus is the Sabbath. Watch this. I entered into Jesus and I ceased from my labors. I don't work no more. It's finished. He took care of yesterday. He took care of today. So I sit down and I remember the Sabbath. Not just the day, the person. And I keep it holy. I don't add nothing to it. I'm convinced that he has plans for me in the next stage of my life. Just like God asking Abram, he said, look in the sky. What do you see? He said, stars. How many? Thousands of them. So shall your children be. Oh, come on, God. 
Abram means father. Abram, A-B-R-A-M. And I'm not a father. I don't have any children. He said, I'm changing your name to Abraham. Well, I'm glad you're changing my name because I'm not a father. And so they call me father, but I'm not a father. He said, no, I'm going to change you to, your name to father of a multitude. As many as the stars in the sky, I'm going to give you children. Abraham, did you know they've been calling you by the wrong name your whole life? Abram, I'm about to write something in that's going to blow you and Sarah's mind. And Abram did what? And Abram believed God and it was accounted unto him as righteousness. When, he, when God said, a man that can't have no babies with his wife is going to have Tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands. And Abraham goes, yes, God. And God goes, done. You have to believe that it exists, not through your working, not through your manipulation, not through your prayer, but through the predestination of the elect of God. He has chose us in him before the foundation of the earth. And we just enter in. I just believe that it's written for me and for you. See, that don't give you arrogance. That gives you confidence. Well, fire you. Fire me. You're not my source. Where you work, you're not responsible to keep your job. You're responsible to be the most ethical, hardworking person there. And if they let you go on your way out, you're kind and gracious. Go, God, what are you writing for the next chapter? Because I was good to those people. And you don't get to the car and turn it on and go, thank you, Lord, for getting me out of there. God writes our story. When he closes a door, it's so we won't be in the wrong room when he does the next thing for us. This next chapter can be revealed to you in a variety of ways. Sometimes we see it in, the, in his word. Other times we know it in our spirit. Sometimes it introduces itself through undeniable and unmistakable circumstances. And sometimes God gives you a sample of what he's going to do before he does it. Sample. Before we got our little girls, we had two opportunities to bring children into our home and potentially adopt them. We even had the exit interview. And the mom said, this is your new mommy and daddy, hugged. We bought school. We enlist, enrolled her in a private school and everything. So we had contractions before the thing happened. And God, oftentimes with me, he may not with you, he'll give you a sample of something he wants to do to see how you'll react. One of my favorite illustrations, haven't told it in a long time, but I'm going to tell it because I love it. Uh, I love Sam's Club. I don't like Sam's Club on Saturday, but I love Sam's Club. Some people go there to eat the samples. That's their meal. You'll see them. They go and eat everything, and they'll go from uh, whiting to shaved ice with sugar on it, and they'll mix it all up, and you can tell they got all their babies, and we eat free today. They go from samples to samples. But I do like samples. I'll go into Sam's, and they're cooking thick bacon. Now, the, in the Kroger and Publix, no offense if you work there, they'll have a little packet that says thick bacon. It ain't thick. You open it up, and you try to cook it. It's about that long. No, that's not thick. Sam's got thick bacon. Peppercorn bacon, applewood. Oh, Lord, I better quit. Okay. And they'll cook it, and then you're, you're standing there, and some of the larger people are in front. 
Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. And they'll take the scissors and they'll cut, cut a little piece off. So here I am, 200 plus pounds. And I, I said, would you like some bacon? Mm-hmm. Here you go. Thank you. And it's just filling up the Sam's, right? You know what I do sometimes? I take my coat off and come back around. <laughs> you know, you take your hat off, you swap clothes, you come back around. And then if they're looking the other way and you get to pick yours, you know, instead of a little one, they'll cut like it was, they just forgot and had one big one and you'll get it. And I didn't plan on buying 16 pounds of bacon when I went in there. I didn't. It's two five-pound packs. It's like 10 pounds of bacon. And on my way out, you'll see people like me, you done bought a folding cart, one of those little things to put all the bacon on, and you're wheeling it out. So no intention, 20 pounds of bacon. Listen, this is for somebody this morning. The power of a sample. Just one sample. And you go, I didn't even know I wanted it, Lord. I didn't even know I wanted it. And God is letting some of you sample. Watch. Would you like a season of joy in your life? Oh, can't happen. Won't happen. Never happen. And then you go, yeah. Yeah. Do you believe I'm able to do this? And some of you told the Lord no. And he said, all right. Abraham, Abram, I'm going to make you the father of a multitude. He goes, I believe you. And God goes, what did you say? I said, I believe. I believe you're going to give me tomorrow what I didn't have yesterday. I believe you're going to bring me out and bring me in. I believe the plans you have for me. I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered into my heart the things that you've prepared for me because I love you. But you're revealing them unto me. But you're revealing them unto me by your spirit. You're giving me samples. Don't disdain the sample. God didn't give you the sample to satisfy you. God gave you the sample to make you mad. He gave you the sample to make you hungry. And we're confusing the sample with the provision, and we're mad at God because we don't understand the ways of the Lord. Man, this is good, good, good. you got to believe that it exists, and it's for you. Number two, to make it to the next chapter, you have to make the trip. journey. No magic. I want God to do it. Preacher, come down the altar and put your hands on me and do it for me. You know why we people did that all through the 80s and 90s? You know why we had the guy in the, huh? You know why? That didn't cost me nothing. So you can just shake me and scream over me and booga booga and you, I got it. I got it. That's junk. Every time God brought me out of something like in Egypt, there was a journey to make it to Canaan. And to make it to the next chapter, you got to take the journey. You got to take the trip and all that goes with it. You have to take it internally first. You have to decide that Bethlehem exists and it's for you and you've got to see it. It's not visioneering and creating your destiny. It's seeing 
what God has told you. I'll prove it to you. When God wanted to show Abraham about his children, he said, I want you to see it. Look up and tell me what do you see? Stars. How many? Multitudes. That's what I want. I want you to see it in your eye, in your mind's eye, so you can travel the journey. And so Abram had to travel the journey. You have to take the trip personally. No one can do this for you. You can't, you can't let someone do it by proxy for you. You can't be sanctified through someone else. You can't start a church through someone else. You can't raise a family through someone else. You have to take it personally. No one can do it for you and God won't do it for you. I just wish the Lord had just picked me up and just put me over here. Ain't happening. And then someone said, he picked Philip up one time in the New Testament, remember? And he just like Scotty beamed me up and put him in another city. But that wasn't a trial or producing character. Philip just had a long way to go and a short time to get there. So God helped him out. You have to take the journey though. You have to take it personally. You have to take it publicly. Oh, this is where some of us are. I may not finish my sermon, but what we have is going to be good. You ready? We hate being vulnerable. That's why we go into the new year and we, you know, we make some of our predictions for what we're going to do and resolutions. But when you tell people, when you put the before photo up on January 1 and say, I'm going to do this, then you're accountable. And if you're going to set goals, set realistic goals. I'm going to lose 60 pounds in six days. You kill yourself. But if you're going to take the journey with God, you're going to do it publicly because God wants a story. God wants people to look on your life and see what you've come from and what you've come into so that he can receive glory. God doesn't want us to be behind the closet, uh, behind the drape, only in prayer, only in prayer. But the life we live, he wants to see us step out and say, we're going to have a family when the doctor said you can't have a family. God's going to provide for my baby. We've got school coming up and we've honored the Lord. I don't know how he's going to do it. I, we are going to see. I see it in my eye and I believe the Lord's going to do it and I'm going to take this trip publicly. You can't walk with God secretly. Yeah, you can't. No, you can't. That's like being pregnant secretly. <laughs> I'm kind of walking with God. That's like saying I'm kind of pregnant or I kind of shot a shotgun. You either did or you didn't. We, we have to journey with God and there'll be people watching us. You have to take the trip sacrificially. The higher you go, the higher the cost. The greater the blessing, the higher the cost. Some of us are disillusioned because we want great blessing at little cost. I love I, I wish I had vocabulary to tell, me, tell you how much I love being a daddy. Love. I wish I had the vocabulary to tell you how utterly exhausted I am as a human being. Exhausted. I wasn't the old guy that would sleep standing up. I'm in the house, just against the wall. Eyes open. Kids come in there. Y'all didn't, y'all, I'm going to tell you until they're grown how y'all didn't tell me the truth. You didn't tell me you didn't get to potty. I got little girls running in. And I'm like, oh, I'm trying to shut the door. There's cost, privacy. 5.30 in the morning. Daddy, 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 
Daddy, daddy. And you're dreaming that some hawk is coming down, picking at your eyes. Daddy, daddy. What? 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 And then Kelly has already turned into this mama. There's a, there's a, a, a graph where the kid's voice, a mom just, it gets numb and they don't hear it. And they go, mama, 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 mama. Are you going to answer the baby? Look at this. This is me before children. This is me now. There ain't no quiet in my house anywhere at any time for any reason. The other night I told Kelly, we put him to bed. We said our prayers. And it's the cutest thing. I'll tell you about that later. Just beautiful. So I said, we, we put them down. And I looked at Kelly. I said, all right. And she goes, John, it's 730. All right, good night. <laughs> and you know what we want? We want to be a daddy and not be tired. We want to have the riches of God's best at no cost. And you see these people that walk across the stage with their master's degree and doctorate and completing med school and nursing school. They don't give those things away, darling. They don't give those things away. Earned, And we know in the world nothing comes for free, but in the church we want it for free. And that's why we're disillusioned and that's why we're bored. To get to the next place, I've got to make the trip. I also learned that when you're a daddy, you don't have spending money. You know the song, when I was single, my pockets did jingle, but now, but anyway. And when you... To make it to the next chapter, you have to make the trip patiently. There's no express lane on what's next. I think that's why when the Lord teaches us, okay, first the natural, then the spiritual. First the natural, then the spiritual. First the natural, then the spiritual. When he talks about birthing things in your life, bringing things out of you, the woman gets pregnant and then it's nine months. There's your example. There's a period. You, you can't expedite character. You can't expedite wisdom. Oh, Lord, would I love to start the church 20 years ago now. Now I've got just a little sense. I had no plan, no nothing, just winging it. You know, and we don't have the luxury of being fully prepared before we do these things. you got to be patient with yourself. Good marriages don't happen because you cook supper. And I'm going to tell you about us guys. By the way, we had a wonderful night last night, the men's night. Man, we had almost 100 guys here. It was wonderful. But ladies' night next month is going to be really, really good. That was very small response, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> forgot what I was going to say. Oh, guys, we need to understand that good marriages don't happen like the first time you unload the dishwasher. A woman can have a baby on this hip, cooking, got a vacuum cleaner going with this, holding a bottle right here, and a man will holler from the other room holding a remote. He goes, hey, don't worry about them clothes in the washer. I'll put them in the dryer. Don't worry about that. And <laughs> putting clothes in the dryer doesn't make a good marriage. For a man to see what his marriage can be, there's a journey to that. There's a dying to that. 
So whatever, what, I just want to give you one example. You could put it in anything. Whatever it is you want, the better you want of it, the more it's going to cost. But now hear me. The payout of being a dad, it's not even close. It's not even close. I'm going to be really old when they get graduating high school. I'm going to be that guy with the tennis balls on the walker, you know. Like, what? I didn't hear you. What? What did you say? Is it worth it to you to pay the tab for what God wants you to have? Number three. To get to the next chapter in God, you have to make it through the wilderness of in-betweenness. I think we've covered that. I'll skip that part. Number four, to make it to the next chapter. You can't be controlled by the cries of your flesh. Oh, with any change and with any productivity and with any going forward, there's always going to be cost and there's going to be discomfort. People will see you pastor in a church. Or, or How many of y'all own your own business? Can I show you that I relate to you? Must be nice. What do you mean? Your own boss. Decide when you come in and when you go to work. Must be nice being the senior pastor of your own church. I'm like, start you one. Now serving number one. That's you. Go ahead. Start. Because we all know that when you try to start something, create something, enter into something, your flesh is going to scream wouldn't you rather have stability? Wouldn't you rather have security? And with your advancement in the Lord, your flesh is going to scream. Anything you try to do, it's going to say, stop. Nobody else is doing this. There's a good friend of mine over here that owns the premier tent company here in town and has done an incredible service over the years and years. Very faithful, not only to church, but in his business. And people look at it and they think, that just, just happened. No, you drive across the southeastern United States and you set up for weddings and you do all this. Good names do not happen in business overnight and they don't happen in your Christian life. There's, there's a cost. There's a high cost to anything you obtain and you're going to feel like quitting and being normal and average. You know what average is? Average is going into Baskin Robbins and ordering vanilla. Just all these colors. Oh, uh, yeah, I have the white right there. You want any sprinkles on it? Mm-mm. It's the best of the worst and the worst of the best. And anyone can be average without even trying. My good friend Mark Brown is a world champion public speaker with Toastmasters International. Travels all over the globe. All over, I mean, Malaysia. Like, he travels around and then you just come back to where you started. You know, all the way around the globe. And people will go, man, that, that must be nice. Thousands of hours of preparation. And he'll share with me sometimes, he and Andrea, how when he has to leave and he won't see his wife for 11 days or 12 days and his flesh says, man, you can just do something local, Mark. You, you, can do, you could teach, uh, you know, voice and you could teach communication. And some of y'all are in the place, you're on the road to what God has for you and your flesh is saying, I'm sick of this. I'm tired of this. Let's do something else. When Orpah turns away, and you don't get to finish the race with who you started the race with. And you're in between. 
barrenness in between. Between Egypt and Canaan, there was nothing. There was no beauty. There was no color. There was just enough. God would give them manna. God would give them uh, uh, water out of a rock. But that was it. And they started craving things with taste. And your flesh is going to say, quit. Listen to this. I want to read it to you out of the message paraphrase. 1 Corinthians 9. You've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs, but only one wins. And be careful that you don't fall into this ignorant culture of we're all champions. Everyone's a winner. No, they're not. You play a ball game, we all won today. Well, the scoreboard says 50 to nothing. I think this team over here loses. But no, no, as long as you just give your best. No, it's not enough for me just to give my best. I need to set the example for our children. We need to win. We need to push through. Listen to this. All compete, but one wins. These good athletes run to win. They train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. But you're shooting after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it, and then missing out on it all my, all for myself. So for, for the ones that are in this room and you're striving towards something, whether it's building your own business or raising your children in the fear of the Lord, and there's all this against you, Don't quit. In due season, you will reap if you don't quit. Your flesh always wants convenient. Your flesh always wants now. Your flesh always wants easy. And God's best is on the other side of easy. It's on the other side of easy. Number five. To make it to the next chapter, you can't wait till everything is right before you make the trip. Well, I'm going to get all this together and I'm going to get my life right and then I'm going to get back in church. And No, no, no. You don't clean a fish before you catch the tr- fish. You catch it first and then clean it. And some of us are waiting on all the circumstances to be right, all of our mind to be right, all of our emotions to be right, all of our support to be right, and it's never going to be right. We decide on going forward when God gives us the invitation to go forward. And I'm going to get to that in just a second. That's the key of today. Remember when Simon Peter saw Jesus walking on the water? And he said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. Which means, give me an invitation. And on one word, come. Simon Peter walked on the water. The circumstances weren't right. The storm was still going on. The waves were still going on. The rain was still going on. The wind was going on. And Simon didn't wait on his circumstances to be right. Simon waited on a word from the Lord. And I may be that voice for you this morning telling you that you don't have to get everything right before you make the trip. Naomi came like she was, from where she was, as she was. And don't disqualify yourself. Faith carries more weight than past failures. Naomi, if you look at the grand scheme of things, was a failure. Her two sons had died. Her husband had died. And she just had to believe that God's next chapter was greater than her past failures. Ben, if you and the worship team would come up, please. And 
in just a moment. Ben, if you'll play first, but the worship team, if you will all come up. Um, we're going to do something at the end, but I want you all to stay with me. Don't, don't watch them, just stay here. There are generally two types of people who are very uncomfortable on their journey to the next chapter in their life with God. I want you to catch this. Get your pen ready, okay? There are generally two types of people who are very uncomfortable on their journey to the next chapter in their life with God. The underdressed and the overdressed. The underdressed and the overdressed. The underdressed can't seem to see themselves differently than what they've done or left undone from the past. Their sins, even forgiven sins, dominate their thinking and set the lid as to what God would want them to have and who God would want them to be. They're taking this trip, but they're underdressed. Their clothes are condemnation, self-loathing, deprecation, a sense of futility, and hopelessness. And then there's the overdressed. Listen to this. Man, I've been waiting all week to share this part with you. The overdressed refuse to live life through the rearview mirror. There's a reason your rearview mirror is this big and your windshield is this big. I need to know where I've been. But I need to look where I'm going. Watch, watch. Oh, this is going to be good. These overdressed people have went to great lengths to prepare for what is to come. Their preparation is the evidence that is what is, is the evidence of what is ahead of them will come to pass. My preparation is the evidence of what is ahead of me will come to pass. The overdressed person is uncomfortable, awkward, misunderstood. And they're even talked about. Have you ever been dressed for a wedding? And you go to Waffle House. Just to get a little something so you don't have to eat cucumbers on a, on a toothpick. And you walk in. Your wife's in this beautiful dress and you're in your tuxedo. And there's a part of you that feels. What? Just. Uncomfortable. So uncomfortable that you start telling people, I'm going to a wedding. I'm going to this That's why we're like this. We're not, we're not coming here to eat, just to eat. We're, we're going to a wedding. Watch, watch. What separates them from everyone else is they are not dressed for where they are. They are dressed for where they're going. You don't want to be comfortable. Awkwardness is the price you pay when you're surrounded by people that aren't going anywhere. I'm going to Zion, the beautiful, beautiful city of Zion. I'm on my way to Zion, the city of the living God. God's hand is over my life, scripting, writing, and the person that believes it starts to get ready. We, we, we make the nursery before the baby ever comes. We tell people, we tell them, God is about to open a door of provision for me and my family. I sense it in my spirit. I heard it when I was praying. What's he going to do? I don't know. 
But I'm telling everybody, I want you to know that the answer is on the other side of this door. And I'm making the journey personally. I'm making it publicly. And I believe that if I get back to the house of bread, if I got a limp into the city, God's going to do it for me. And I got up this morning to preach to those that are already believers and tell you, what you waiting on, man? Get dressed. I can tell what event you're going to by how you dress. And if you just throw something on, you're expecting a throw something on chapter. But I'm believing for me. And Isabel and Olivia and Elisha and Kelly and Grandma, that this next chapter is the best one we've ever had in our life. Not because I willed it, but because he planned it. Would you stand with us? If this spoke to you this morning, I want you to enter into this one part of this song and sing it back to God. last one to make it to the next chapter you got to make it to the next chapter no falling short no giving in to discouragement no turning back listen listen no letting small people talk you out of a bigger life not letting sick people talk you out of a whole life and not letting miserable people talk you out of a joyful life No excuses, no justifications, no rationalizations, no procrastination. You not only have to make it there, you have to live there. Settle down, settle in and change your address. You know what you do when you move? You fill out a what? Change of address. That's what some of us are doing this morning, right here, right now. We're letting everyone know, 
I don't live there no more. If you want to get in touch with me, you need to write me at the new address. If you try the old address, the old number, you may reach somebody, but you won't reach me. Moab was yesterday. Moab is done, past, forgotten. I am on my way to God's intention and plan for my life. Glory. Let's sing it, Ben. Come on. if you'll look this way, if you'll give me just two minutes and I'll complete it. I want to be very careful that you understand I'm not giving you motivation or a pep rally. Everything that we enter into, everything that's allowed, everything that we taste, everything that's provided comes to us through the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ the Lord period so now having access we come boldly into the throne of grace for grace for help when time of need and there are gatekeepers in your life trying to keep you out of God's intention who goes there John Wood who are you oh in this world nobody but I am the redeemed of the Lord God And he told me that I live in there. Oh, okay. Come on. And we come in. Your last chapter may have been written by someone else. Elimelech wrote Naomi's last chapter. And he did a horrible job. He hurt her. He emptied her. And he left her alone. But people write your story with invisible ink. God uses a Sharpie. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. Hold on before you're dismissed.